Can I see your heart? In I sorry, I can see your heart in every word or everything you say. And uh, that's the context I want us to step into this morning. Okay. You know, so often we want to hear God's will. We want to know what's on God's mind. God wants to reveal what's in his heart to us. And it's really important that we understand his heart. Even before we understand his will, sometimes. Um, You know, whenever I teach on... uh, prophecy and bringing prophecy out I I say you know the most important thing isn't knowing God's mind and will it's knowing his heart of how to bring his mind and will so I just want us just to spend a moment just close our eyes just spend a moment and say God I want to see your heart in everything you say to us this morning So, Father, we ask you that your heart would be revealed to us this morning. And that we would hear your gentle voice. As we hear your word. Amen. So, I want to... You may sit. Sorry. (laughs) Um... I'd like to, this morning just to uh, press into some thoughts on intimacy and uh, walking in intimacy with God. And, uh, you know, in the spring of 2020, we were here in Rhode Island. Um, we had planned to be here, well, I planned to be here for three weeks. Jessica, my wife, had planned to be here for, uh, for two weeks. So she's getting ready to go home. I'm ready to press in, you know. It means that I can kind of do the kind of 14-hour shifts. Jessica's very... I, I love traveling with Jessica. She makes me slow down. Um, <laughs> she makes me enjoy the scenery, um, walk on the beach, uh, you know, those kinds of things. When I'm here on my own, often I'm not like that. You know, I went to Turkey for... I think it was 10 years before I ever saw the Blue Mosque or any of those things. I used to fly in and I'd be doing meetings every day. And, you know, and I suddenly realized... One of my friends actually said to me, Oh... You must have seen this. You must, I went, no, no, I haven't. Done. And they looked at the guy that I go to visit. They said, shame on you. <laughs> Which in Turkey is a big thing. So, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, uh, you know, you need to let him enjoy the culture. I, to be honest, I enjoy people more than anything else. So that's, that's why I enjoy doing it. So, but, um, so we here in 2020. And uh, as you probably realize, that's pandemic here, right? That's so... So we were here in March, and, uh, and we started getting phone calls from home, from, from my kids, saying, Dad, you need to come home now. I know Mum's coming home tomorrow, but you need to be with her. You need to come home with her. And there was an urgency in their voice. You don't realize that the pandemic has really hit London in a big way. And you need to come. And I have some underlying health issues that they were kind of concerned about as well. And, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just me. I'm gone. Yeah. God's God, <laughs> you know, he'll protect me, that's not a problem. Um, anyway, uh, after one particular difficult conversation with my, with my daughter uh, on the phone, where she was very upset, and uh, so I, I decided to go walk on the beach. So I went walking on the beach, I'm walking up the, down the beach, you know, and I'm praying, Lord, meet my daughter, be with her, you know, take away her anxiety, let her know that, uh, in the, that you are God, and as I'm doing that, I, I felt God speak to me and just say, Ian, what casts out fear? Oh, oh, love. Love, perfect love. That's what casts out fear. So then I, then I think, well, great. It's a word from God, right? So then I start walking up the down the beach. Lord, let her know you love the perfect love of God. You know, and, and I'm, going, I'm going at it. And, and I felt God challenge me. Say, 
Ian, are you willing to sacrifice your plans to show my love to your daughter? And I'm thinking, that's not God. <laughs> you know, so initially I'm thinking, you know, that can't be God. You know, that, you know, that just, just doesn't seem right, right? And uh, I, start, I start pressing into it. And the more I pressed into it, the more I felt it was God. Um, and, you know, sometimes we become the answer to our prayer. So I'm asking God, to help my daughter's anxiety and God is saying okay you show her some sacrificial love there and you know often we're praying for the kingdom of God to come right <laughs> we're praying to this but this has got nothing to do with my sermon really I'm just, just I'm just setting it up but, but you know we, we pray for the kingdom to come for heaven to touch earth And do you know where heaven touches earth? Through you. I come from a Celtic background, right? Which is, one of the things they love is the whole idea of thin places, you know, where the the place, the the atmosphere between heaven and earth is thin. Where you don't have to struggle to, to find it. It's just there. That's where you get the whole idea of pilgrimages to different places and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I, you know, I love that kind of idea. And, you know, I, I know there are certain places in my life where I go to pray and it's just easier. I'm not sure it's anything to do with anything else than that. I'm just familiar with it. I just like it. It just inspires me. But one day I was writing a blog about thin places. And, uh, and as I'm writing it, God says to me, Everyone who knows me is a thin place. Whenever they walk into a room, they can be a thin place to that room. They can help people to touch me because they bring who I am. Isn't that wonderful? I said, wow. That's amazing. You know, so anyway, the reason I'm telling you this story about going back home is that when I go back home, you know, I, I'd love to say that it was great. And, you know, and I, I, but I was really angry. <laughs> I, I was really disappointed. You know, I had a meeting set up with Ed, you know, and I really wanted a meeting because we hadn't really connected to that. I mean, we knew each other and we'd connected a little bit and I, I've known Adam a long time and I'd connected with Ed through Adam and we'd kind of had a few meetings and... Uh, bit of interaction over different things. But I was really looking forward to this meeting with Ed. Now actually, what happened as a result of not being able to meet ahead for that one time is then we started meeting regularly on Zoom every week. And we've become really, really, really good friends. And I don't think that probably would have happened if I'd met you in person. It might have, but it might not have. You know? So, you know, that's one of the good things about the pandemic. It taught us that we can actually meet with people far away in a close way, right? Well, that's what it did for me. Anyway. But anyway, so, so I, I'm kind of, I, I'm all angsty about not being able to finish my plans. And, and now, you know, now, now we're stuck in and what's all that about? I can't go and see people. I can't do this, can't do that. And then I was on the phone to one of my really close friends. We've walked together for 40 years in ministry together and friendship. And uh, <laughs> I'm pouring all this out, you know, because that's the kind of relation we have. <laughs> and he said, Ian, I said, yeah, he said, he said, you know, why don't you just do something a little bit different with this time? Why don't you see this as like a sabbatical? He said, ever since I've known you, you've wanted to take a sabbatical. And you can never find time. It's never the right time for you. So why don't you take a sabbatical? I thought, fantastic. It's a great idea. <laughs> so I started praying about that. And my anger, you know, I dealt with it. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> um, and uh, and as, we, as we, you know, as, as I'm kind of saying, okay, God, what's that? So I set four days was like my, I set this rhythm. Two days was like work. One day was off. And then four days was, that's right, seven, right? So just checking. <laughs> 
four days was like my, sabbat- my sabbatical rhythm. So I did all kinds of work in the garden, and I was praying, and I was studying, and I did more reading, and I was listening to stuff, and it was great. And as I started that, I felt God speak to me again, say, I'm going to lead you into a desert. <laughs> into a desert. And I went, you, yeah, great, Lord. Because <laughs> yeah, I think it was sabbatical. I don't know about you, sabbatical for me was like, Lying by still waters and in green grass pastures and, you know, and tra- traveling. I knew I couldn't do that bit, but traveling to different places to get excited and inspired. Or even climb up mountains, so climb up mountains. And see this shit. God says, I'm going to lead you into a desert. And initially I'm thinking, really? And then I thought God say, I'm going I'm to let you see the beauty of the desert. I'm going to teach you how to see beauty in the harsh place. Wow. And I tell you, I love deserts now. I really love deserts. But I also felt God say to me, I'm going to teach you about intimacy. In this place, I'm going to teach you about intimacy. I'll be honest with you, I was a bit disappointed. Because I thought like intimacy was one of my specialist subject, you know. Yeah. Because I, I teach on it all over the place, and I thought I did a good job of intimacy, and I'm I'm disappointed, and I'm kind of going, oh Lord, you know, I thought I knew something about intimacy. <sighs> okay. I, and then I just thought it almost almost like God's chuckle, you know. It, have you ever felt that? With God, when you're sitting with Him and you're feeling like chuckling, mm-hmm. you know, I felt it's like, Ian, why is it whenever I say I want to teach you about something, you feel you've done something wrong, or you haven't made the grade? It's not that you don't know anything about intimacy. I just want to take you deeper. And I just want to encourage you guys, right? When God says he wants to show you something or he shows you something, it's not necessarily because you've done something wrong or you've missed something. Often he just wants to take you deeper. So I started on this journey into the desert and I want to share some of the things that... um, I want, to share, I want to share some of the things God refreshed in me about intimacy. Uh, but I also want to share some of the other things that he taught me about intimacy. Um, and how to uh, press into that as well. Just to say, on the way, uh, towards the end of this time, I had a phone call from one of my friends, <clears throat> um, Rao. And, uh, you know, hopefully one day you'll meet him. Because he's, uh, he's, he's a great guy. And he... But he said to me, he said, Ian, I, I, I was praying for you this morning and I, I had this really weird word for you from, from the Song of Songs. I think, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, he said, and it was this. Who is this coming out of the desert leaning on their beloved? And he, he didn't know any of the story that I just told you. And, uh, and he said, does it make any sense to you? I said, yeah, it does. I'd, you know, and one of the things I felt God speak to me was that actually some people would not recognize me now. I would be changed. I would be different. And we'll come back to that later. But, um, so around the year 2000... To the year, that's good, can I have a table, thanks. Um, to, uh, to, to about 2008, God took me on, this, on a journey about intimacy at that point as well. And I kept coming back to the Psalms. And I, you know, I'd, I'd read through a book and then I'd be back at the Psalms. And I'd read through a book and I'd be back at the Psalms. And, um, and God really started to really show me some things and speak to me about who he was in, in, in that. And especially... I kept coming back to Psalm 27. So let's just read Psalm 27 together. Verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord 
is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At, the, at his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, God, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Saviour. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. He will never forsake me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in the straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes or false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. One of the things that inspired me in my pursuit of intimacy was the life of David. you know, I, I came across that verse where it says, uh, Here is a man after my own heart. Right? That's what's said about David. Here is a man after my own heart. And I just want that written over my life. You know, when I'm dead and forgotten, this was a man that sought God's heart. This was a man who pursued God's heart. This was a man that desired God's heart over everything. (coughs) And it seems to me that David discovered this wonderful relationship with God of intimacy. And this before Jesus, right? So how much more now can we find that? That was kind of, you know, that's my logic, right? So... David, the great warrior king, the man of war, seemed an incredible, to have that incredibly intimate relationship with the Lord his God. The man who committed adultery, plotted murder, got it done, was known as a man after God's own heart. In the New Testament, that is the testimony of David in Hebrew. This was a man after my own heart. God's mercy was such for David that he could find that redemption from whatever he'd done. But also, the softness of David's heart towards God was such. That he could receive God's mercy and be a man who pursued God's heart. I just want I, I us to stop there a little bit. Because that's a really important issue. Is God's mercy is always enough. Right? We say it all the time, right? The blood of Jesus is enough, right? Oh, come on, help me out here. <laughs> you don't look like you believe it. I tell you, a couple of you have gone, yeah? You know, but, but you know, the, the blood of Jesus is enough, right? Yes. It is, isn't it? Yes. God's mercy covers everything. 
Weary shit. <laughs> sorry, you don't know what life is suddenly go. All right, yeah, like, no, actually, you can do suddenly become really charismatic. But you know, every now and then, just encourage me a little bit, okay? That's all I'm asking for. Just a little bit of encouragement. But you know, God's mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Right? We deserve punishment. God chooses not to give us punishment. God's grace. Is what? Is receiving what we don't deserve. Amen. Right, it's great, isn't it? Sometimes we, you know, there's very simple truths, but there's something that we just need to grasp in in, in, in a new way, on on, on a daily basis. God's mercy is always enough. The one thing the devil doesn't want you to do is to turn to God. He wants you and your sin and your guilt and your shame to stop you from turning to God. If he can do that, he's won. Because he knows as soon as you turn to God, it will change. As soon as you tell God your sin, as soon as you confess, God is what? Faithful and just to what? Forgive you your sin. Now, let me ask you a question. Does it say, as I confess my sin and repent, God is faithful and just? As I confess my sin and change, God is just. As I confess my sin and stop doing what I'm doing, God is just and faithful to forgive. Does it say any of that? No. Now, some of you are going, well, does that mean we can just... Sin all the more then? Isn't there something in the Bible about that? Shall we, what shall we say then? Shall we sin more so that grace might abound? No, no, let me tell you. And when you turn to God and you receive and you feel and you sense and you, and, and you walk into and step into His mercy, it allows you to receive grace. And what does grace do to us? According to Titus. Tells us to say no to sin, right? Thank you. No, no, please help. <laughs> please help. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> okay? Grace doesn't make us or allow us to sin more. It teaches us to say no. Because we are so grateful. We have received such freedom from the slavery of sin. What we think, what, what we forget something, but sin isn't great. You know, it's, it's not, it keeps us enslaved. It's a slave owner. Anyway, I need to get on. Um, <clears throat> this psalm portrays, portrays David's relationship really well. And I love verse 4. You know, oh Lord, that I might dwell in your house and to gaze upon your beauty. Such beautiful, poetic words. But actually, I think, David, that's really what he longed for. He's known as this man of war. He, he beat Goliath and he, he, did, he, he led armies. And you know, he, he took men and um, turned them from debtors and despised to an army of faithful men. That's what we kind of know him for. But actually, what he really desired with all his heart was to be in God's house and gaze upon God's beauty. In other words, to be intimate with God. So let me give you a a definition. To be close. Intimacy is to be close. To be closely personal. To be familiar. Not in a negative way that is disrespectful. But used to one another's company. Used to one another's habits. Intimacy is closely related to true friendship that gives themselves to each other. It is to know and to be known. That's the God we serve. The God of heaven, you know, billions of galaxies we sang earlier, flung. You know, but this same God desires that we walk every day as closely 
close familiar friends, as family, as sons and daughters. Amen. <laughs> come on, Ian, that's it. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Preach you, brother. <laughs> or as, as one, I hear one story with a, a lady in the back, a guy who's preaching, uh, Tony Campano, if you know him. He's preaching in the back of this black church. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's struggling a bit, apparently. And, and this lady stands up at the back and says, Help him, Jesus! Help him! <laughs> hey, listen, I'll take whatever encouragement you want to give me. If you feel I need help, just stand up and tell Jesus to help me, you know? So, <laughs> so the first thing I learned about, about uh, or we learn about, uh, about intimacy in this psalm is that it requires security. Intimacy requires us to be secure in our relationship. The first day, thing David acknowledged in this psalm is that he is secure in God alone. This, re- this is a reoccurring theme in his life and in his writings, right? For there to be real intimacy, there must be a foundation of security and trust. You know, you just think any relationship needs that, right? Marriage, if trust breaks down or we, we're not secure with a person, it's really hard. Friendship, right? Our, ch- our children... Intimacy is all about vulnerability and giving yourselves to one another. <clears throat> David writes in this psalm that he's, when he writes this psalm, he's under great pressure. This is, he's probably writing this psalm in, the middle, in, in a cave somewhere with Saul pursuing his life. There's, there, if you like, there's a, there's a bounty out on him. Okay? So this isn't like, you know, he's sitting there and he's like, got a great day and he's just got oh, this lovely poet. Poetry is coming to him. This is in the midst of the harsh desert that he's yeah. learning this, 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 this psalm. <clears throat> God is my salvation. God is my light. God is my stronghold. And they all correspond to a, to, to, to a threat. They stumble in the dark. I will walk in light. They seek my destruction. God is my salvation. They war against me and besiege me. God is my stronghold. David is secure, he is sure in his hope that God will do the best for him. And he let, that lays the foundation for, you, for his intimacy and for his relationship with God. The thing I learned this time in the desert was, you have to build security. You know, one of the things I think I get frustrated in, particularly, you know, I'm, I'm kind of from, I, originally from a reformed background, right? So you can all pray for me later. Okay, and then, <laughs> and then you know, I, I kind of got the charismatic thing, so I went ultra charismatic. So I was from a reformed charismatic background, right? With lots of influences from the Pentecostal church. So, so I just, just kind of, you know, that, that's, that's a real mix. <laughs> you know, so I, sometimes I'm confused. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I love all those traditions, but one of the things that really frustrates me is the, the sense of unreality sometimes that you find in all of those traditions. And I'm sure in the other ones, I'm, I, I don't know. And what I mean by that is, is the kind of, the kind of uh, well, you know, God, God's the one. I just, I, just, I just got to believe more about God. I've just got to trust God. I've got to trust God. I've got to trust God. I've got to trust God. Right? <clears throat> Some of you are looking at me going, hang on, where's he going with this? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Help him, Jesus. <laughs> okay, here's my problem. So often we, we, we are denying how we really feel. And we're denying the reality of our circumstances. Okay? And God's not asking us to do any of those things. In fact, he builds in things... That we ignore in order that there is grace for us to get to the place of security. So one of the things I learned during my little sojourn in the desert. And I'm still learning. So forgive me if I come back and I share some other stuff about this. I, but lament. God builds in the grace of lament into the word. Right? A third of the Psalms are lament Psalms. What, sorry, yeah, okay. Some of you are looking at God. What, what the heck's a lament song? 
you know, <laughs> where are we with that? That's, that's where I first thought as well when I came across it. <laughs> and I came across it with some Anglican friends. They would go, we're going to go do some lament now, I think. And then we'd start, I think, what, what is that? You know, so, anyway, so lament um, is basically, I'm going to tell you what it is now. Let me just have a drink. <clears throat> lament is being able to be real with God, even complain to God, even ask requests from him that are not necessarily godly, okay, and then to find him. Okay, so let me, let me give you some examples, right? <coughs> Where's that then? Where's that in the Bible, Ian? Well, <laughs> how many Psalms do you read? And it says, why do, the, why do they prosper? Why do these, these wicked people prosper, Lord? You know, now actually we can, we can say, well, that's just a nice question that, that David or whoever wrote that Psalm is asking God. I don't think so. I think he was angry at that point. I think he's going, why? Why is it this one? Why am I stuck in a cave and Saul's eating nice, nice food? Right? I think I might have been a bit angry about that. Uh, you, you were the one who anointed me, said that I was going, I didn't ask for this. I was quite happy being a shepherd boy, fighting the lions and killing the bears. I was quite happy with that. You were the one. My father didn't even think I was worthy to be at the first meeting. I, <laughs> Uh, perhaps I'm just really sinful, okay? But, but, but I'm sure that's... Uh, I'm sure when, when he's running around and idling caves and all that kind of stuff and God's saying, don't touch him, you know, he got a chance to kill him. God says, don't. It's like, what's going on? Right? So lament... So let me go through the process. Lament normally works like this. Firstly, there is a turn into God. Can I just say, God doesn't care how you turn to him. What he doesn't want you to do is not turn to him. So if you're angry, and you know, some people say, well, it's wrong to be angry with God. I'm not sure. Actually, I see a lot of anger towards God in the Bible. You know, God, let me ask you a question. Does God know you're angry? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Does God know who you're angry with, even if you're trying to tell yourself that you're not angry with God? Right? Of course he does, right? <laughs> it's like, is God is God able to handle your anger? Of course. Of course he is. We all know that, right? So why why then do we not do it? Do you know why do we not do, turn? You know, so the first thing in lament is a turning towards God. What God doesn't want you to do is to be silent. To keep it in. Yeah, right? He doesn't want you to do that. If you keep it in, I'm telling you, it will cause you problems. Yeah. It'll cause you spiritual problems, it'll cause you soul problems, and it'll cause you physical problems. Yeah. It will. So God's looking for you to bring it out. Amen. Right? Amen. To express it towards Him. Okay, so what you find in the, if you, you look at the pattern in a lot of the Psalms, this is how it goes. There's a turning towards God. There's normally that. Turn towards God with a complaint. Right? Why? Why is this happening? Why can't you do this? Is there, and then there's often a request. Sometimes those requests are good requests. Sometimes not so much. You know, like, you know, Lord, will you smash their heads against a rock? You know, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. You know, <laughs> you know, Lord, will you wipe them off the face of the earth? <laughs> you know, I think, and sometimes, you know, sometimes God just changes that request suddenly. You know, but getting it out there because what you what you're actually doing, you're dealing with the stuff that's in you. You're getting, what are, you, what are we doing? We are bringing it into the light, right? God can deal with when it's in the light. It's difficult to deal with it when it keeps it in the darkness. That's why, confess your sin, right? Bring it into the light. God will deal with it. And then what, then what happens, you know, 
and we all know this, this, this kind of thing. Eventually, we get to the point where we go, you know, God, I know that you're able. Right? I know. I, I trust you. And that builds the security aspect to it. But so many of us don't never get to that point because we're trying to stuff it down and be super Christians. Not recognize where we are, how we feel. Okay, God gave you feelings. He's not afraid of them, folks. You know, people often say to me, you should never be led by feelings. Yes, that's true. Can I just say to you, you should never be led by your mind either. (laughs) And in our society, we are very often led by our mind. We should be led by the Spirit. And do you know how we're led by the Spirit? By allowing our emotions and our mind to be under the control of the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, right? All the others are emotions, if you notice. Or they have an emotional context to them. Interesting. (laughs) For a very unemotional uh, society that we live in, sort of. Okay, so... So security, we need that security in terms of that. What's the time, by the way? I, I didn't even look before I started. It's really bad. Then? Okay. I'll do one more, okay? And then we'll stop. Okay? And then you can invite me back to the others. <laughs> it's all I get back, invite me back to places. <laughs> Either normally to apologise or to finish where I started. <laughs> Okay, so, so the first one is security. This, uh, let me just know. Blah, 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 blah. Let me. Okay. Intimacy requires communication. It's really interesting. He didn't just behold, David didn't just behold in this song. He inquired of the Lord. <laughs> so it requires communication. Now communication has a number of different elements, right? So communication involves talking. <laughs> now some of you will have no trouble with that. Um, I have no trouble with that one. Okay? Uh, some of you do. You know, if you're a little bit more introverted. I, actually, I am introverted. I know I cover it well but <laughs> but actually in terms of where I get my energy from I'm definitely an introvert but but in terms of um, talking I'm pretty good at that <laughs> I've learned how to do that <laughs> so it's but but some of you are not and you know just learn how to talk to God some of it is listening that's two ways right the other one's two ways as well God likes to talk to you just, just so he, he's not really interested in you getting into a prayer in, in, into the prayer closet with a list, right? Or just a list, I should say. Okay, he really wants to talk to you. It's a two-way thing. Listening is two-way as well. He's listening to you. He like, would like you to listen to him. <laughs> okay, and I would say that happens every. That should happen every day to us. But we're talking and listening, talking and listening, talking and listening. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, having great massive prophecies every day of revelations, but just little things, things that come in your mind. Just learn to hear how God speaks to you. Because some of it will be in your mind, some of it will be through physical things, some of it will be through word. Normally, how you're wired is how God will speak to you. I had a conversation with somebody recently. He said to me, he said, you know, I, said, I, I, I never have any of that prophetic stuff. He's really, really prophetic. You know, I'm going, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, he said, I never have any of those pictures or images or whatever. I never have any of that. And I went, yeah, but you have loads of words. And he said, yeah, but that's not really. You know, that's not. <laughs> no, no, it really is. <laughs> that's really God speaking as well. Actually, you know, I wish more people would have that one. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm joking, by the way. Um, sort of. <laughs> so, so listening, right? Hearing. 
How many of you know there's a difference between listening and hearing? <laughs> you see, all the wives are putting up their hands right now, right? Because... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys, <laughs> but we're good at listening, but not hearing sometimes, you know. Oh, we, you know, <laughs> poor Jessica. <laughs> she's glad she's here. At least she knows what I've said. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but, I, but you will know what I've said. <laughs> so, how many of you guys get confused by your wife sometimes? You come in. And they start talking and telling you about their day or what's happening and all the problems. And, and you're thinking, okay, well, how do I solve them? Yes. You know, the washing machine's broken down, you know. Yeah, let me go and do it. This guy will see. Where it goes? And, and, your wife's got, and your wife gets mad with you. And you're thinking, why? I am such, you just told me a problem. I'm just trying to solve it. You know, I remember one, one day just go, I don't want you to solve it. I just want you to listen to me. Understand what I'm saying, right? We're listening. Yeah. <laughs> but are you hearing? <laughs> so there's communication in that. There's communication in sharing secrets. You know, you share secrets with God, right? Did you know God wants to share secrets with you? You know, everything that God speaks to you about, He wants you to tell others. <coughs> Right? I want you to say on, on, on the kind of prophetic stuff, you know, ask God, what do you want me to do with this? Because, you know, we receive something and then we think we've got to speak it out, right? Or we don't want to tell somebody. We're going, sometimes God says, I just want you to pray about it. Or I want you to wait. Okay? <clears throat> sometimes it is that unsaid time. It is that silent time. Sometimes communication is all about being. Just being in one another's presence. I remember me and Jessica went on a holiday once and uh, when we, we'd had a really busy time before we went there. We went out for our first meal. You know, it's like that first meal. And we're sitting there and it's silent, but it's really awkward kind of silence. We just didn't know what to talk about because there was so much going on. You know, I think we've been married about two or three years and we're sit, sitting there and I'm thinking, Oh, this is a bit awkward, <laughs> you know. Anyway, by the end of the, you know, by the end of the, the, the holiday, I, I remember noticing the contrast. We went out for our last meal before we, before we came back, and there was a long silence, but it was really lovely. It was really comfortable. We really enjoyed it, you know. There are times just to sit in the presence of God. And finally, on this communication thing, there's planning. Did you know God wants to share plans with you? And not just share plans, but actually plan with you. Yeah. Right? I got, when I was uh, growing up, um, I loved cowboys and Indians, right? I know that's not really the thing to say these days. But, but I, I really love, I love the films. I had, I had boxes and boxes. But I really wanted a cowboy and Indian fort. And um, I remember... Uh, my mum and dad didn't have a lot of money and, um, oh, come on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you're slow this morning. <laughs> but, you know, my mum and dad didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, and he, uh, uh, but my dad was a really, really good carpenter. So he said to me, he said, Ian, he said, uh, I can't, we can't buy you a fort, but I would like to build you a fort for Christmas. Right? So I said, oh, great, Dad. And I was expecting him to go off and do it, you know. And then he said, so, and he brought this massive piece of paper home from work. And we sat at the table and we planned it out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many corrals do you want for the horses? And do you want a jail? And how many towers do you want? Do you want them to have roofs? And it's a really, brilliant, 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 one of my really strong childhood memories. And then, again, I'm expecting to take the plans and go and build it, right? 
But he didn't. He said, come on, we're going to build it together. And we built this fort together. And then, um, and then on Christmas morning, and it, you know, it was all kinds of stuff. He brought little bits of wood he'd brought home from work or paint that had been left over. So it was, you know, it, it wasn't a traditional kind of fort. In the, in the, but, it, but, but I loved that fort. And on Christmas Day, my mum and dad had wrapped it and they'd bought me a whole new load of soldiers and, you know, and, and, and Indians and stuff. And, it was, and wigwams and all kinds of stuff that I'd wanted for ages. Um, and, you know, I, that's one of my strongest memories. But, you know, God, God loves to plan yeah. and then for, for you to work out the plan together. Yeah. To do it together. So it's not like, you know, <laughs> right, here's the plan, I'm going to do it. Or here's the thing, now you go and do it. It's let's do it together. And I'm going to do it and give you the power to do it. Yes. You know, I'm going to give you what's necessary. Another, um, I, my mum sent me up to the, the shops to buy something. <clears throat> and I just wanted to go and play football. Soccer. Yeah. Soccer. Yeah. The round ball. You know, because it's a ball. Um, and, and you use your foot all the time. So, football. That's, that's, that's why we call it football. Um, anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love American football, so you're all right. But, but I, I, remember, I remember my mum saying, can you go to the shop? Before you go out, can you go to the shop? The shop's about two or three hundred yards away from my house. So I said, yes, what do you want? She tells me what she wants, and off I go. I get there, I, I get the stuff in the basket, I get to the till, and I realize there's no only money. Because yeah. oh. I was in such a rush to hear what she wanted and what she wanted me to do that I, I forgot to ask for the the means to do what she asked me to do. I think we do that a lot with God. We get in his presence, he tells us what he wants to do, and then we're off. Rather than waiting. Okay, God, empower me for that. Give me that. Okay, let's stand. <laughs> I'm sorry if your lunch is burnt. Um, <laughs> Father, we just invite your presence. We, Lord, I know that you're here because you live in us. But we ask you for your presence to manifest itself right now. To do what you want to do. During the worship, I, I just felt that some of you, you know, when Sly was reading from, um, you know, the issues of water from our stomach. That's a promise. Springs of water to flow from our stomach. I say some of you have blocked wells. And God this morning wants to unblock your well. Very simple. Some of you feel dry and thirsty. And God just says, I want to unblock your well. <coughs> Some of you know what's blocking it, and some of you don't. If you know what's blocking it, confess, and he will meet you, right? If you don't, ask him. Just ask him. Lord, what is it? And then drink from the well. So there's two things here. One is, unblock your well, and then drink from your well. God says to you this morning, drink deeply from the well within you. The well isn't just to flow to others. The well is for you to not be thirsty. A number of years ago, we, um, we were on our way to church, <clears throat> very much like a meeting like this, and I felt God say to me, I want you to take two um, jugs, yeah, jugs of water, uh, jugs, not the water, but just the jugs, right? I want you to take them. So I, we only had one, so I had to phone somebody, and they brought the other one, and uh, I, they're sitting under my chair, and I think people were wondering what they were. 
And then halfway through the, the service, I felt God say to me, okay, I want you to put a table in the middle and I want you to fill the jugs with water and put them on the table. So I did it. Everybody thought I was mad. Okay. And then about, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, I felt God say, right, I want you to read this scripture. And the scripture was this. Come to me and drink. Right? Come to me and drink. Some of you are thirsty. Come to me and drink. And I felt God say to me, I want you to walk around the table and just say that. So I did that. I walked around the table. Come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. And I felt God say, you all know that, but none of you are drinking. Just pour one pitcher into the other and let it flow over. There's a parquet floor. I was really worried about it, but it all worked out. Um, <laughs> but, but it was... But as, uh, as I poured and the water flowed, suddenly people from the back started running and drinking this stuff. And I tell you, it was the most amazing morning we had. And the picture never ran out. It was real, I, you know, it was just amazing. But God says to this one, drink, come and drink. Don't be thirsty, come and drink. So, Father, I ask you this morning, as we, can we finish with a song? Um, um, as we finish with this song, that we would come and drink. And if people need prayer, then turn to someone, ask them for prayer. You know, you don't have to come to me or Pastor Ed or whatever. You know, just let the body minister to you this morning. Father, we ask you that you would do this this morning. That one, you would unblock wells that are, uh, that are blocked. Please, Lord, unblock wells. Unblock. Take away the things that are blocking the well. Any sin, any anger, any uh, resentment, any bitterness, any disappointment, any hope deferred that is blocking the well of, of living water, we ask you now to take it away in Jesus' name. And then we want to come and drink. So as we sing this song, come and drink. Amen.